0: America Meditating Radio, a show for everyone to learn more about this amazing thing called life. Hello everyone. Welcome back to Where East Meets West, a collaboration between America Meditating Radio and its vlog. It's been so heartwarming to speak to some of these incredible individuals who are offering us their expertise, their gifts, their talents, their lives. In so many ways, they're doing a lot of incredible work out there and we need to hear about it. Right now, the ability to balance out two cultures that are So opposite in the way they see things. Imagine when those two cultures come together the incredible world that can be created. I'm half African and half Indian and that gives me quite an interesting way of looking at the world and I always want to find a way in how can we bring each other together to benefit and share in this wonderful golden opportunity. My special guest today is none other than Viraj Gandhi, who is the CEO of Paradigm Management, Inc. Since founding the company in 2003, Viraj has been responsible for leading the company's strategy, culture, and growth. In the firm's 17 years of business, Paradigm continues to celebrate remarkable growth as recognized by several local awards for the largest minority-owned companies, largest government technology contractors, and most recently, Named on Inc. 5,000 D.C. Metro Top Companies list, isn't that great? Viraj has over 20 years of extensive experience in operational leadership in government and commercial markets, and he is an active member of the Executive Committee of the Young President's Organization's Washington, D.C., Baltimore chapter. In 2017, Viraj was recognized as a 40 on the 40 honoree, which is an awards program presented by the Washington Business Journal. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Viraj Gandhi to where East meets West. I can't wait to talk with you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: You know, all these years I've known you, I didn't know you were so accomplished. You're so humble about it. You would come and visit me at the meditation museum or at the ashram. And the only idea I thought there was something up with you was when I saw you drive in that BMW. Or was it the Mercedes? Mercedes. The Mercedes. That top of the line, and everybody out there who knows Sister Jenna knows I love me some good cars. <laughs> so thank you to joining us today. Viraj, you've really achieved a lot. You remind me of when I was in my 20s, and it wasn't until I think I was 25 I had my awakening and a lot of things shifted. Between the ages of 16 to 23, there was just no stopping me. And you've known me for years, and you can even see in my spiritual, I still carry over that energy. But at 23, you were also driven. What was behind that drive in you just continuously progressing and moving forward?
1: i grew grown up in a family of entrepreneurs, and I went to Babson College, which is also the number one entrepreneurship school nationwide. So for me, it wasn't about the drive. It was just more about leadership. I was always attracted to leadership positions, always wanted to do something where I can set my own mark, I can set my own culture. Through high school and college, I was always involved with with clubs and organizations. When I was 23, I graduated college. I worked for a management consulting firm. I loved it. Post 9-11, the firm changed. They looked at numbers more than they looked at people. And I just thought that I could do things differently. And I thought, why not try now? So that's where Paradigm Management was born. To be quite honest with you, I did not know that it was going to be 17 years later and here I am. I really just thought that it was a good fit gap for what I really wanted to do. And and I wanted to do something a little bit better than the place that I was at.
0: Congratulations for that. Tell me, who was the person that kept inspiring you to really move more into this leadership position?
1: I would say my dad. My dad was an entrepreneur, and I went to work with him all through elementary school, middle school, even high school. And just seeing the way he treated people. I think that is what I gravitated towards. And I think there's different types of leaders. And my dad probably did not know it at the time because he was running a mom and pop's business, but he was a very collaborative leader. And I found it that when he came in to work, he said hello to everybody. He asked everybody about their days. And then when he needed something, it was never, hey, you need to go do this. It was a, hey, how can we get this done together? So I think seeing that, and in high school, you see the different types of leaders, whether it's teachers, administration, or even in student athletes. So I just look back at the examples that I've seen from my dad leading to help make my leadership better and more effective in the direction.
0: Touching. I wasn't expecting you to say your father. I was expecting you to say like Warren Buffet or
1: Bill Gates
0: yeah. or something like that, but In Indian culture, there are so many families that run mom-and-pop businesses. The pandemic has not helped a lot of the businesses in India that are ran like that. But just on that level where sometimes the children are just not inspired to go and work with the father or to carry the father's legacy. And the fact that you did that, I think that's very powerful. But you were looking more at the way that he treated people. In cultures like India, and America just got out of a very interesting cultural shift of sort of a dictatorship, India's pretty much governed by a hierarchical system of respectocracy. Yeah. You know, once you give me respect, then I'll give you a chance. Or it might be ran by who you know in order to get by. As you're looking at business in today's world, are you finding that that culture is changing? Is there really more of this inclusivity and invitational way of being together in a company? Because I'm seeing that America was really struggling just a few months ago with a leader that would be, you follow me, if you don't, you're out. And it was creating so much fear in people. And now there is a new leadership in America, which has the most Indians nominated in high-powered positions. And you feel this collaboration, and it's so beautiful.
1: You know, from a company standpoint, I have seen, especially with the millennials and this new generation, I think we've all had to shift in the way we lead. I have always looked at leadership as a collaborative role in getting people to understand and think what's best for that entity. In in my case, it's my company. I think when you're leading five people, it's very different than when you're leading hundreds of people. I'm attracted to those networks of companies that are led by hundreds and thousands of people. It's given me the perspective of how to come back and lead my own organization.
0: And what are some of the things that you've been pulling from leaders that are running companies with 500, 1,000, or 10,000 people?
1: One thing, and I've actually pulled this from not only other leaders, but I pulled this from my dad, is really that you have to sweat the small things and people want to be personalized. No matter how big or small your company is, people want to work or an organization that they really believe in. And then they want to trust the direction of the leadership. So I take one day a week and write handwritten notes and emails to my employees. And they're not generic emails or notes. They're things that I know about them or that I'll find out about them. So virtual touch and feel with the employees and making sure that from a culture standpoint, people feel like they're valued. And during the pandemic, that has helped so much. People don't want to feel like they're just getting a paycheck from Paradigm. They want to feel connected to the organization. So I would say that's my single most quality that has kept me excited. Very
0: touching for me because I would work for you. I'm going to ask you this big question, Dharaj. As much as you like to work with a lot of people and bring teams together and find everybody finding their joy or their glory... Haven't you also found it quite difficult at times to work with people who don't match your vision? And if so, what have you done to help somehow mobilize them towards the vision? Or do you find that you basically have to ask them to leave because the vision is important to maintain? Yeah, so
1: I think I can answer that on a couple different levels. Cultural fit for us is very, very important. So we recruit for cultural fit, and there have been times where, You try to get people on the same bus as you and it just doesn't work. And unfortunately, the best thing for both parties is to amicably separate because if they are not believing in the vision that we are going forward with, then the place doesn't make sense for both parties. So that's one. The second piece is I have learned not everybody is going to view things the way I view things, right? As long as our final vision and goal match, then I can continue to do business with you. But there are different ways of doing things, and I've had to not sacrifice values or anything like that, but I've had to sacrifice and concede on certain items because my partner may have a different view on certain things.
0: What's your vision for Paradigm in another five years? I just heard that you got a new $1 billion contract, so congratulations for that.
1: Thank you.
0: When you get these big contracts, And you already have other contracts. How does everybody juggle it in the company? And how will that match some of your future goals that you have for Paradigm?
1: I've learned that delegating is very important. So having a team ready and not being reactive is how we deal with those things. So we've been very, very process-oriented over the last several years. In terms of my vision over the next five years, we want to get to $100 by 2022. I think that that's very feasible. My vision is to grow and diversify our accounts. For me, it's about creating opportunity within Paradigm. So when we hire people, I'd love to say that I want those people to be here for the rest of their professional lives. I know that's a very idealistic view, but imagine you were on a project and you got sick of that project and you could go to your manager and say, hey, I want to try something different. And we had 17 different projects that we can put you on. So it's like working for another company, but you're still within the paradigm umbrella. So really, when you talk about vision and goals, of course, it's to grow, but it's really to ensure that the people working at Paradigm professionally and personally grow themselves as well.
0: I know that about two years ago, you brought some of your staff to the Meditation Museum. And again, it spoke volumes about how much you care about the emotional well-being of your staff. And it continues in everything that you've said in our conversation today, that it's about the people. So what? If in 2022, the company goes to 100 million, everyone's miserable. I won't be happy. So we've talked about leadership in growing your company and your business and in the corporate sector, but what about leadership at home? How are you doing on that front?
1: (laughs) The best advice somebody gave me is don't ever treat your family like they're your employees. I have to say the relationship that I have with Mira is very collaborative. We make decisions collaboratively. We handle the household collaboratively. We parent collaboratively. And I like that because it is a partnership. She has wonderful strengths that she brings to the table and I have strengths that I bring to the table. And we're gonna celebrate eight years of being together in March and seven years of being married in June. And we're just now coming to that point where really recognize what each other's strengths are. In terms of the kids size by the obvious three, I cannot help but tell you that I want them to be little leaders. So in any which way that I can, I'm always trying to share bits of wisdom with them in little doses. My biggest lesson to sigh, um has been, what do we do when we fall down? We get back up. And that has come into play. You know, I'm teaching him how to ski. I taught him how to ride a bike. We just, I taught him how to play checkers and I've been letting him win, but I finally beat him truthfully and he started crying and I'm like, losing is good. You need to lose in order to learn what you did wrong and to be better next time. So those little tidbits of opportunities that I get, I'm trying to push on to the kids without overwhelm.
0: So wonderful. So many parents don't get a chance to spend that quality time with their children anymore. And they think spending time with their children is just maybe them sitting in front of a screen, watching a movie together and making popcorn. And you're saying, no, we're out together, we're learning how to ski, we're learning how to ride a bike, we're talking about successes and failures, we're learning about playing chess, and if you lose and you're crying, it's okay. These are things that he will remember forever. So congratulations for that. Now, you and I know our Indian heritage, and you've been raised in the U.S., and so your parents sees the way that you and Mira have been parenting, but also being as a couple. But when I go back to my days of my father or my grandparents, they don't parent like the way you and Mira are parenting. It's like the husband is the god, and that's changed, especially in this generation. Can you speak a little bit to that, especially when you talk to mothers and they'll be like, oh... We didn't need any personal time or me time, you know, (laughs) there was no such thing as me time. And yet in this generation, it is important to have me time. How do you see it being so different now in terms of the old way of parenting? Do you think it's better or do you think it's developing some talents or skills? Because the old school will say, I can't believe they're doing that. And then the new school will say, I can't believe you did that to me.
1: I think there are positives of both sides. I'm a product of that old side where mom and dad weren't like you need me time and there was no discussion about what was going to happen. It was either yes or no or this is how you're going to do it. I think the times have changed. We as parents are much more helicopterish over our kids whereas, you know, when we go to a party, my parents did not watch me and make sure that I ate. Now it's like if our kids don't eat, we go crazy. So I think it's a little bit of like You kind of see what happens around you, and then you do almost the same thing. Sports is a simple thing. Here in D.C., where we live, if your kid pre-pandemic was not signed up for soccer, baseball, and swimming, there was something wrong. I think there's a little bit of that. I also think from the standpoint of work and life, it's just become much more complex. There are a lot more choices. There are a lot more things to do. And as parents, we have to process that, and we have to figure out how we're going to navigate through that. I think in the old way, the things that were done were very black or white, whereas now it is very collaborative. My parents spent a lot of time with us, as has Mira's parents, but they see Sai, they see Mavi, and they're a little bit different, but what you guys are doing is working, right? The respect is there, the empathy is there, the yearning to learn is there, and all of those things that we had are there with our kids. So I don't think it's right or wrong. I just think that the times have changed
0: about that? Is it the time that changed us, or is it just things that we saw when we were younger? And there's certain things that my parents did, and I said, I'll never do that. And I wonder what is that moment in time that changes you? I mean, you and Mira are such a perfect couple. In just the way that you show up in the world, you have your own identities, but yet there's a consistency in your marriage that I've noticed, and that is you communicate. One of the biggest qualities that reveal a great leader is their ability to communicate. Could you speak to that, the importance of communication and why we need to do more of it now?
1: Yeah, I will tell you that both Mira and I both divorced. So I think that we've known what has worked in the past and what hasn't. And a lot of that is that communication, right? If you are not open and upfront about your feelings or about what you perceive or about how you feel, then the other person, how are they going to know that? So I personally believe that marriage is work, relationships are work. And I think that when you have two people that want to put in the work and want to sit down and communicate and make time for communication, that's when things start to succeed. This pandemic, both of us have been uber-present with each other. We take time outside of our day to actually look at what we're thinking, how we're feeling, all of those things that you never did in the past because you're just going, going, going. So that's, I think, on my personal side. On the company side, I am a very transparent person. And I think that people who work for me, with me, they need to know where we are. So as hard as it is to write an email saying that we lost the deal, winning deals are a lot easier to get out that announcement. It's really important that my staff know that, we didn't win this or we failed at this, and, and here's why, and here's what we're going to do to be better. So I think the communication, to me, I would much rather over-communicate, and, and that's what I've done, and it's proved to work very well because you gain trust that way. Sometimes, listen, I probably over-communicate, but I think that's what it is. I mean, I had a town hall that I do with each program, and I had one yesterday, and my divorce came up, right? And I openly shared, and we had a couple of new folks that I'd never met And the comment that I got from my chief administrative officer, she's like, wow, people said you got really, really personal and they loved seeing that side of you. And I'm like, I didn't do that on purpose, right? And I think that shows a human side of me where people that don't know me are like, okay, here's the CEO, but there is that father or that husband or that friend or that person that likes to go out and party a little bit. I mean, there's a humanistic view to it. And I think it all stems from communication
0: in Indian culture, there is a sense of not always being very transparent, and I'm not saying this as a stereotype, but there's always like, well, you know, and you're trying to discern, well, what did you mean? Did you mean a yes, or did you mean a no? I don't know how to understand what you want, and it's a big shift from India when you come to America and people want transparency, they want you to be straight up, they want you to be honest, so that life can move on. Why do you think there is this culture in India? And I'm not saying it's just India. It's all over the world, but it's very, very prevalent there where you don't really show everything. And if you were to give them advice, what would be the advice that you would offer to those back home in India who don't always use the transparent path?
1: The advice that I would give is try it. You will be surprised at the empathy that people will show If you are just yourself, even with my parents, friends, my mom and dad will be like, Hey, we're booking a trip to India, but we're not telling anybody. And it's like, why? What's the use of doing that? Right? One of their friends, their very close friends had cancer and she got through it, but nobody knew and nobody was supposed to know. I think people are just afraid of judgment. They want to put up a wall so that nobody will judge them. But here's the bottom line. Nobody's perfect. No relationship is perfect. No company is perfect. Everybody has their Achilles heel. Everybody has chinks in their armor. And for me, I'm a better person because of those failures, those chinks in my armor. But I don't think everybody sees that. Just a a little plug here, the the organization that you mentioned, YPO, Young Presidents Organization, it is a non-judgment organization. So I can come to the table and say, I made a mistake. I lost X amount of millions of dollars, or I did this, or I had a DUI, or whatever it may be. And there's no judgment. And to be able to do that with another business owner and share personal, family, or even professionally that you've messed up, it's such a group therapy. You're able to share something without feeling like that person is going to walk away thinking of me being less because I X, Y, Z. And I wish there were more people that did that.
0: That's what the world needs now. Just people who are open and honest and vulnerable enough to say, can we do this together? Can we walk together? You know, I did mess up. I'm not perfect, but I will become that at some point in time. And that's, to me, one of the greatest forms of leadership, is to show your authentic, real self and to be very, very present. But I found that sometimes people just want an illusion in front of them. It's like they're so conditioned to see illusion that that's what they want to invest in. And when you're being really authentic or really real and really honest, they don't even know how to deal with you at times. Like, well, you're not supposed to be like that. You're the boss. Come on, hold your place. And I'm like, but I am. This is me. Right. It's very important. So listen, I'm going to take you through a wonderful spiritual rapid fire. You ready? Yeah. And I have enjoyed every minute of our time together. So let me see what's in the soul of Viraj Gandhi. Okay. God or religion, which one would you choose first?
1: Religion.
0: Hmm. Beach or the forest? Forest. Coffee or tea? Coffee. A movie or a book? A movie. Dancing or singing? Singing. Meditation or being in a temple? Being in a temple. Who is Viraj Gandhi? Oh,
1: I thought these were just rapid
0: fire questions. That was just the end one. Who is Viraj Gandhi?
1: Somebody who is loving, caring, wanting to pay it forward and is just looking for his next challenge.
0: That's just perfect. That's all I needed. Thank you so much. You've been an absolute delight for thank joining you. us on Where East Meets West. And to be continued, Viraj, all the great things are in your future, I can see it. Thank you, Sister
1: Dana.
0: This was so, wonderful. Same here. Lots of love. So thank you everyone for joining us on Where East Meets West. We just had a wonderful heart-to-heart conversation with CEO of Paradigm Management, Viraj Gandhi, right here in the nation's capital in Washington, D.C. If you want some more information, please go and visit him on his website or his LinkedIn page. Drop us a VM or a message to let us know what you felt about today's conversation. And if you have any questions, feel free to raise them. All the very best. Remember, no one can take away your happiness unless you give them permission. And we really are here to love each other the same. Take care and thank you for joining us.